Unlock the past and safeguard your memories with ScanMyPhotos.com. Here's our special promo code, GoDigital, to get a whopping up to 50% off your photo scanning order. Don't let your cherished moments fade away. Digitize them now with precision and care. Whether it's old slides, photos, or films, bring them into the digital age and relive those precious memories. This is an affiliate promotion, meaning we may earn a commission if you take advantage of this fantastic deal. Act fast, preserve your history, and save big with Go Digital at ScanMyPhotos.com. Hi, I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. I really love family photographs, all of them. From the mystery images you find in shoeboxes and albums, to the pictures you snap with your digital devices. No mystery is too small. A simple question about an image can lead to new stories of your ancestors. This means you can count on me to help you identify the people in them, offer solutions for preserving and organizing them, and yes, even guide you in the various ways to gather and share picture stories with your relatives. My guest today is Amy Johnson Crow, and she is the organizer of 52 Ancestors and 52 Weeks. And it's a very popular activity. Everybody does it. You pick one ancestor, she gives you a topic, and you write about it. And Amy, for those people that might not know you, although you and I have been friends for a really long time, and we used Mm -hmm. to do this YouTube thing every month, tell us something about yourself, and then we'll jump into the topic of the day, which is wild card searching and why it matters. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, first, thanks for having me here on your podcast. Something about myself. Well, I've been doing genealogy for a really long time. One of the earliest photographs of me, and I'm probably three or four years old, I'm in a cemetery. So yeah, I I come by it honestly. It's, It's a picture of me with my mom, my grandparents, my dad must be taking the picture, but we're at a family cemetery down in Southern Ohio. It looks like it's probably Memorial Day weekend, but yeah, that's, so I've been doing this a long time. Long yeah. Time. Sort of like me yeah. saving my allowance to buy Gilbert Doan's book. Nice. <laughs> I'm searching for ancestors. <laughs> a little nice. baby genealogist. That's what we oh. were. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So just a little while ago, I was doing a lecture on finding family photographs Mm -hmm. and I wanted to impart on people the importance of wildcards. And of course I did a Google search and what came up was Amy Johnson Crow's YouTube channel (laughs) with a video on wildcard searching, which I then watched, which was really good. (laughs) I learned some great tips and I, I think maybe there are, we don't use wildcards enough because it's a mystery. And, yes. and each website is different. Some wildcards work on one site better than on other sites. Mm-hmm. And what is wildcard searching and why do you find it so important, Amy? So wildcard searching, a, a wildcard is a special character that stands in the place of some letters. 
it's kind of like when you're playing cards and you say that aces are wild. And when you get an ace, that ace can be any card that you need it to be. So if you're trying to make a, you know, a series of five and, and you need something to be like, like the number 10, well, that ace can be the number 10 card, right? So a wild card is, like I said, a special character. It's usually either an asterisk or a question mark. But obviously, our names usually don't have asterisks or question marks in them. So when you put one of those in, depending upon the website or the database, it could represent other letters. So for example, on Ancestry, an asterisk will stand for anywhere between zero to five letters. So I could do a search for the surname Johnson. But if I want to pick up some variant spellings, maybe I do a search for J-O-H-N asterisk. And then that's just one asterisk. Just one asterisk will on ancestry will stand for zero to five letters. So if I do a search on ancestry for J-O-H-N asterisk, there could be anywhere from zero to five letters at the end of that name. All right. Yeah. So it could be J-O-H-N and then zero to five more letters. So I've been doing this wrong, Amy. I can tell you that right now. Oh, no. I've been using an asterisk for every missing letter. Oh, yeah. Yeah on, on ancestry, yeah, on Ancestry, you just need one asterisk and it will stand for zero to five. Now, if you do have a situation where you just want to replace one letter, let's say that you're searching for Smith, but you also want to pick up Smythe, you know, S-M-Y-T-H, on Ancestry, you can use a question mark for that. And a question mark on Ancestry will be exactly one letter. That's it. No more, no less, just one. So I, I tend to just go with the asterisk just because it's a little bit more flexible. But yeah, so that, that's in a nutshell how they, how they work. Right. So if one of my clients had a photograph with a caption on the back, and actually I was just working on a photograph like this this week, where we could read what we thought were the first two letters and the last three letters, but not the mm-hmm. middle letters. We could put that in a search engine like Ancestry's search engine and just yes. put a single asterisk yes. for the missing letters and see what turns up. Exactly. Will this also work the same way on like Google? Let me let me just I'll answer this a little bit more broadly because different websites and diff- sometimes even different databases within a website will handle wildcards differently. So it's always worthwhile to either look for a frequently asked questions page or do what I do if I can't find one of those is do a search. Like I'll just do a search for John Johnson. Okay, yeah, I do have an ancestor named John Johnson, but sometimes I'll just search for John Johnson or John Smith just to get some results. So I make sure that I'm seeing something, but then I'll run the search again using a wildcard just to see what kind of results I get again. Because, for example, on FamilySearch, they only use an asterisk. You can't use a question mark 
as a wild card on family search. So like I said, that's when I just like to either look for a page that says, you know, how, how to search advanced search topics or something, or just run a search with a really common name. Look for John Miller and make sure that you're getting some results, but then do it again, maybe doing M asterisk L-L-E-R to see if you get both Miller and Mueller, just to kind of see how that particular website treats a wild card. So on family search, do the rules still apply with a single asterisk for up to zero to five letters? I believe so. I believe that that's, that that's how family search does it. Yes. And I'm wondering now how this would work on other sites, like maybe Flickr, for instance, when you're looking for something and you're not sure how to spell it, or you're looking for variant spellings, mm-hmm. you know, how would that work? And what about FAQ sections on these websites? Do they mention wildcard searching generally? Some, sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. Sometimes it'll be buried like in a help section or something. You know, I think that that's an area, especially like on Ancestry, that is really overlooked is they're just going into their help section. You know, if you go into the help section on Ancestry, they have a nice little search box right there where you can just you could just type in the word wildcard and it will give you their different help articles about using wildcards on the site. So now obviously some of your smaller websites are not going to do that like your local public library if they have their own databases because you know something that a lot of local public libraries you know they're putting on some very localized databases maybe it's an index of obituaries or local veterans or an index to yearbooks they're not going to have all of the bells and whistles of the big genealogy sites. So they probably don't have a very built out FAQ page about how to search. Sometimes they do, but oftentimes they don't. Look for it. But if you don't find it, go back to the strategy of doing a search just to get some results and then just play around with how a wildcard might alter that. That's really smart, Amy. That's a really smart tip. Well, you know, I went to library school and it's kind of one of the things that we did. (laughs) (laughs) We did not learn that in library school. (laughs) And are those two characters a standard across like computer industry websites? Yeah, the asterisk and the question mark usually are the two most common that you'll use. In fact, you know, some websites like as a family search only uses the asterisk. So that's that's usually the one that I would start with. Interesting. I do know that I forget which conference we were at. I think it was in Fort Wayne at some point a while ago. We had dinner and you were swapping stories and I was swapping stories about various things, about business things and searching and our research and whatever. And you taught me, I'm pretty sure it's you that taught me about site searching and using that in like Google, where you put mm-hmm. the what you're looking for, site search. Let's yeah, go over you- that because that's a really good tip as well. You can use that on, you can use this on dead Fred. If you're looking for an image, you can go directly to the topic. On Google, if you're trying to look for something specific on a website, now this doesn't work if it's something that's within a database. So this isn't going to work for finding things in a database in Ancestry, but if it's just text on a page, then this, this, then this can work. If you go into Google 
and you type in the word site, S-I-T-E, colon, and then the domain. So you could do site, colon, amyjohnsoncrow.com, and then enter your search term. So I could go on to Google and do site, colon, amyjohnsoncrow.com, space, genealogy. Google is then going to look for that word or that phrase, you know, whatever you've entered, but it's going to be specifically just on that website, just on that domain that you entered. Now, if you have like a two word or three word thing that you're looking for on that website, is this a case where you want to use quotation marks? If you're looking for it in an exact phrase. So that can be a little tricky because I know sometimes that we we think we know how something appeared on a website, but when you put it in quotes, Google is going to look for that exactly. So if you would do a site search, and well, and this is this is true across Google, whether or not you're doing a site search. If you put it in quotes, like you look for William Smith in quotes, it's going to look for exactly William Smith. But what if his name appears on the website as William Henry Harrison Smith? It's not going to find him. Or Smith William. Or Smith comma William. It's not going to find him. So as powerful as putting the the quotation marks it is a very powerful way to search, but you can also end up excluding things that you really are looking for. So again, it's a matter of just kind of playing around with it. So I tend to use the site search thing a lot, not mm-hmm. just for genealogy, but just for life. I needed yeah. some insurance forms for a family member and I used that and they popped right up and they were mm-hmm. way hidden on the insurance company's website. Oh, yeah. There was no way to find them. It was like a secret code that the employees knew, but the rest of us didn't know. But by using that site search technique, they popped right up. Yeah. Well, and I I think that learning about different ways of searching, whether it's wildcards or a site search or using quotation marks, there's no one search strategy that will always work for you. Because data is messy. I mean, we like to think of things, oh, it's in this nice little, you know, it's in these columns, it's in these forms, it's in these fields, but data can actually be really messy. So just thinking about, okay, I did the search, I didn't quite find what I was looking for. What can I tweak? Have I actually put too much, if I'm, if I'm on Ancestry, and I, I see people do this all the time they'll go on to Ancestry and they will fill out like every single field that there is, or they will rely only on that where you can like pre-populate the, the search form based on the information you have on an ancestor. I mean, yeah, that's handy. But if that's the only way you're searching, you are missing a lot. You are missing a lot. Be- because the way that Ancestry is set up it kind of treats all of those things in that search as an, and so you end up getting some of these like really outlandish results. It's like, why am I getting that? 
Well, because that one field that you had filled in out of these 17 different fields that you filled in, it matches on one of those. And so you end up getting all of these different results. It's way too much to go through or the opposite can happen. So it's like feast or famine. If you're not getting the results that you're expecting or that you're wanting, take some of those search terms out. Take out the location, take out the mother's maiden name, take out whatever, change a date range. Well, because what you're going to find sometimes, I've had this happen to me where it's like, gee, this just isn't working. You think that more is better, but -hmm. in fact, less is better. Yeah, less is often better. Your ancestor might pop up some record that you weren't anticipating. Mm -hmm. And and something else that I, I see a lot of people doing in that's when they're filling out the form and they mark everything as exact. Well, I know that the mother's maiden name was Hurst. So I'm going to put her maiden name into this form and I'm going to check exact. I had this happen today. I was doing research and I was just trying to find all of the children and who they married. And one of the ways that I like to do that, especially if I'm on family search, is to leave the name blank, but go down on the search form and enter the parents' names. Because I knew that I I was looking for this family and they, the children were getting married probably in Ohio in the 1920s. And I knew that in that time period in Ohio, they were putting the parents' names on the marriage record. That's, that's why I knew that this search really should work. And I wasn't getting all of them. And it's like, I'm pretty sure that all the kids got married. Well, I realized that I had inadvertently checked exact for the mother's name. Well, on a couple of the marriage records, they didn't put the mother's maiden name. They listed the mother with her married name. So that's why she wasn't popping up because I said, I want you to find it with this name but that wasn't the name she was showing up on the record. So mm-hmm. one, once I unchecked exact, well, you know, reran the search and boom, there they were. There they were. Yeah. But you, you have to play with your searches. You just have to. And doing wildcard searching on any site is worth it to try, yes. whether it's a photo database like Flickr, for instance, mm-hmm. or even the digital public library, wherever you're searching for information and images, try the wild card. Why not? Mm -hmm. It's just another way of searching. And I like to advise people that you have to have an open mind. Yes. And you have to have an open mind because when you look at your research, you think you know it, but you don't always know it. Mm -hmm. Well, and even if you know it, There are times when people don't fill out records correctly, like that marriage record. On the form, it clearly says mother's maiden name, but they didn't fill in her maiden name. They filled in mother's married name. So you, even though you know it, for whatever reason, back in 1922, they decided not to fill out this form correctly. So we have to account for that human error as well. Or someone else is filling out the form. Exactly. Someone who doesn't know. Yeah, we see that on death certificates all the time. Yeah, I had a 
a cousin died a number of years ago and his sister called me and said, can you tell me the information I need to fill this out? I was like, yes, Yes. (laughs) this is why genealogy is important. I have those, I have those facts. I have the facts right here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You can't talk enough about wildcard searching and, you know, you did learn it in library school. Mm-hmm. I did not because I didn't want to say why, because computers weren't a thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> they were a thing, but not the way we are, not the way they are today. What's some fun things you've done with wildcard searching that you found playing I, with I, it? I found a family in the 1920 census. I knew that the family was, when I knew the family, when when I started their research, they were squarely in Los Angeles, California. I mean, they are there. They moved around a lot. It was a military family and they moved around a lot. And I was trying to find them in 1920. Couldn't find them, couldn't find them, couldn't find them. It's like, I know this family. I've tried searching for the kids. I've tried searching for the parents. It just, they weren't turning up. And I was about ready to think, well, Maybe they were living overseas in 1920. I thought, you know, I'm going to run this search one more time. And I ran the search with the surname, but I took out all of the vowels and replaced them with wild cards. On on family search, you can use one ancestry too. You can use more than one wild card. I left the first name blank, did the search with a surname, with only the consonants. And I think I put the, the father's first name and the mother's first name. Boom, found them. They were living in Wyoming. Why didn't they turn up the other way? Because they were, and looking at it is, I mean, when I saw it, when I saw the, the image of the census record, it's like, oh, I see how they read it, that they were reading an O as an A and another A as a U. Just the, the handwriting was really bad. So it's like, I really couldn't blame the person who indexed it because, yeah, it did look like that. But it was enough of a variant spelling that FamilySearch wasn't picking it up as just being a variant spelling. I mean, FamilySearch is actually kind of fuzzy. They'll, they'll kind of work in together some some common variations like Davis and Davies will put those together. But this, it was such an unusual spelling. Family search wasn't picking it up, but by doing the wild card, it popped up in the results. I could look at the record. It's like, yeah, everybody matches, but it was just so horribly misindexed. Well, I'll try searching all, all different ways, like leave the first name blank and put the Mm -hmm. last name. And I won't check the exact search right. button or I'll look for the first name, but not the last name, because again, you don't know what misspellings there are. You don't know who's filling out the record. You don't know what the person is hearing. There can be lots of mistakes that pop up in these mm-hmm. records and in the transcriptions. Let's talk about your 52 ancestors and 52 weeks project. Okay. Because how many years have you been doing that? Quite a few, five or six. I did it. I started it back in 2014. And it was just something that I was doing on my own blog. 
I wanted to get back into blogging more regularly. And I thought, what? If I can commit to doing a blog post a week, I can do that. That, that, seems, that seems doable. And it was just, I, and I announced that I was doing this really as just a way to keep myself accountable. And then somebody read that post. It's like, yeah, I could do that. And then somebody else read and, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And the first couple of years, I didn't do any prompts. It was just, you know, pick an ancestor, pick a person, just write something about them. And then about, let's see, so I did that in 2014 and 2015, 20, I think, I don't think I did themes in 2015. So I think it was like year three, I introduced the prompts because people were like, okay, I have this whole big ancestor chart. I have this database of, you know, however many hundreds of ancestors. I don't know who to pick. I don't know what stories to tell. So that's when I introduced the weekly prompt. And I keep them vague on purpose, not vague, ambiguous, open to interpretation. So last week, for example, you'll like this, Maureen, the theme was negative. People were writing about negative, like film negatives that they had found. Uh, One person wrote about her experience in trying to digitize it, and then convert it into a positive image and getting it printed. Some people wrote about negative events that happened in an ancestor's life. One person, well, at least one person, wrote about negative evidence that if this ancestor really, if this one person really was her ancestor, he should have appeared in this record and he didn't. Mm. So that that was negative evidence. So, yeah, so the, the themes are out there, but they are open to it. It's a very low pressure challenge. I'm not grading people. I'm not asking for attendance. And it's some people will, will hear about it. It's like, well, Amy, we're already so far into the year. I've already missed so many weeks. I can't possibly catch up. I, I honestly look at it this way. Anything you write or record, and it doesn't have to be writing. I know some people who are doing scrapbook pages. Some people are putting together little uh, slideshows, putting together little videos. It's whatever you want to do. The, the goal is to get that stuff out of our genealogy software and do something with it, whether that's writing or scrapbooking or making a video, whatever. You don't have to blog. It's not... So it, you don't have to do all 52 weeks. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, yeah, thank you for, <laughs> for bringing me back. My, my train kind of derailed there. But I, I really do look at it that anything you write or record is more than what you had before. So if you only do only, and I hate to use the word only, but if you only do one week out of the 52, hey, that's one more thing that you got recorded that you didn't have before you started. So. So, so don't feel bad that, oh, there's no way I can catch up. There is no behind. There's only progress. While I don't formally participate in the 52 weeks, mm-hmm. I do internalize or have internalized your bite-size practice for family history so that I will 
you know, wake up on Sunday and say, all right, which ancestor am I going to take another look at this week Mm -hmm. and see what I can find? And then now I'm going to use more wildcard searching and use it correctly (laughs) on ancestry to see what else I can find. Yay. Oh, I just want to say that if anybody is looking for family photographs or they want my, I have a brand new sheet that I will send you if you just email me and let me know. It's a little one page worksheet where I encourage people to write down the person they're looking for, what they're looking for, where they looked for it. And I'm going to add that they should write down the wildcard searching that they used those techniques on this mm-hmm. sheet. It's just a one sheet thing that I made for myself, but it works for anyone. And if anybody wants it, they can have it. If they just ping me through whatever social media or whatever, I'll make it available. But Amy, I love your tips on wildcard searching. Well, thank you so much for being on the photo detective, Amy. Again. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media, leave me a rating and a review. And if you know of a friend or family member who's also interested in family photographs, share this episode with them too. See you next time. I'm thrilled to be offering something new. Photo Investigations. These collaborative one-on-one sessions look at your family photos. You and I meet to discuss your mystery images and find out how each clue and hint might contribute to your family history. And trust me, these images can reveal so much in your research. I have decades of experience in the photo, genealogy, and history industries. This is your chance to learn from me and discover the stories in your family images. You can find out more by going to MaureenTaylor.com and clicking on Family Photo Investigations.